For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. From Nashville, Tennessee, welcome to Music City 911. I'm Rick Beasley, communications officer retired with 40 years of experience. And I'm Brandon Hall, 20 years and still going. This weekend marked three years since the falling of Metro Police Officer Eric Mumaw. This next description was taken from an article on our local TV station, WSMV Channel 4. In the heat of August, running full-suited as a police trainee, in the pouring rain, as commanding officers mispronounced the name of a young recruit, calling him Meow Meow, and through 18 years of service to Nashville and its residents, Metro Police Officer was remembered for two things, his commitment to protecting and saving lives of others, and the attitude he carried while doing it. The horrible event I'm about to tell you guys about occurred just before dawn on February 2nd, 2017. Eric, Nick Diamond, and Trent Craig were called to Peeler Park boat ramp, which feeds into the Cumberland River, to help Julie Gleason, who had driven there. Initially, Her boyfriend and mom had called the police to tell us that she had intentions of killing herself by driving into the river. It was a cold, dark morning in that park. It's in a rural area of Nashville, so the visibility is horrible. When they arrived and were talking with her, she shifted her car out of park, causing it to back down and roll off the ramp. Eric at that point, along with Nick and Trent, were pulled into the dark, frigid waters. 
Nick grabbed a hold of Eric as they were both in the water. Now you have to understand the current is really strong in the Cumberland River. And add to that the fact that they both were weighted down with their equipment. Trent ended up in the water too, all three of them for that matter. But as I said, Nick had a hold of Eric, but because of those other two combined issues, he couldn't keep hold. And the water swept him away. Nick floated on downstream and thank God was able to grab a hold of a branch. They both were were moving away from the bank and out into the river when Nick was able to grab the branch. Trent, who was in the water as well, was able to grab Nick and pull him to safety. So two of the three were able to get out, but unfortunately our friend Eric was lost. Now for the Julie Glisson part of it. Julie was a tapestry of disaster as far as her life was concerned. As a matter of fact, the night she was in that car, on that ramp, she was violating her probation as she was drunk again and driving a vehicle that she wasn't supposed to be in because that probation stemmed from her last open DUI case. She had two previous DUI convictions. Because of the situation with Eric, she was initially charged with aggravated vehicular homicide. Now, that charge calls for a minimum of 15 years in the penitentiary. The assistant DA could not find any evidence whatsoever that Julie intended that night to kill anyone other than herself, which, of course, she was not successful in doing. However, a life was lost, and she bore a certain amount of responsibility for that. At that point, you have to decide between taking a case to court and trying it or trying to get a plea deal to be accepted. That way you get something. Otherwise, you may get a not guilty and now you can't charge her again. The overlying factor here is Julie is mentally ill. So there was 
probably a 50-50 shot that she might not be convicted because of that. The district attorney put together a deal by where that charge would be reduced to vehicular homicide by intoxication. She would serve 30% of a 12-year sentence, and she would also be banned for, uh, from driving for 10 years. Now, the district attorney's office didn't want to just put this together without the police department signing off on it and Eric's family because ultimately he was the one that was lost in this. They both signed off on it and Julia's in prison today. A congregation of thousands were in attendance at Officer Mumaw's memorial along with Billy Ray Cyrus and Jamie Johnson playing Some Gave All and later by Vince Gill singing Go Rest High on That Mountain. Here is the last call for Officer Muma, given by our fellow dispatcher, George DeShields, who was on the radio on that fateful morning when the officers went in the water. As a result of his actions in trying to save Eric, Nick Diamond was awarded the Congressional Badge of Bravery, the first time the award had been given to a Nashville police officer. Nick was upset that Trent Craig wasn't given one too, since he had saved his life from the branch of that tree he was holding on to. He was adamant that Trent was his hero, something that we can all undoubtedly understand. All three are heroes to us. The medal was created in 2008 by an act of Congress and aims to honor officers at any level who engage in exceptional acts of bravery while in the line of duty. It consists of a red, white, blue, and gold ribbon upon which a cross and shield are hung. Each element of design is symbolic of law enforcement and bravery. On the third anniversary of Officer Eric Mumaw's death, 
The Nashville community honored the officer with a plaque along with park benches that were placed in Peeler Park to honor Moomaw. The plaque placed at the park will be a lasting tribute to the officer who served on the force for 18 years. Now, I had met Officer Moomaw a few times, but only really knew him in passing because he visited the comm center a few times. But, Beasley, you were actually a friend of his. The best way I can describe Eric is he was a police officer's police officer. He worked the Madison Precinct, and he was 44 years old when he passed away. Yeah. So all the younger officers out there looked at him at 44 as, as being Pa. Yeah. You know, he took it personal to take care of those guys out there and, and they love him. You know, you know, I hate to talk about people that have passed on in the past tense. They were great. They were this and that they still are. Yeah, absolutely. They're just not here amongst us. They're on the other side of that fence. And in Eric's case, no doubt enjoying his reward. When he would come up to the communication center, and I know you can vouch for this, he was never in a bad mood. No, never, no. I never saw some just sad, Muldoon face on this guy. I mean, we've all known people, and some of you out there uh, may know people like this today. The minute they come through that door, you start laughing. <laughs> yeah. Because they're smiling real big, and they've just got, I'm up to something, all over their face. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. He would come up to me and, hey, bees, what's going on? I said, well. You know, everything's good in the homestead, you know. And he said, listen, when are you going to retire? And I said, well, when I turn 60 and I have 40 in, I've already got it all laid out when I'm going to go. He says, man, that's great. Well, of course, you know, we were both on the day shift at that time. Yeah. And that afternoon, another guy that I had hung out with for a long time uh, happened to see him out on an interstate. He was pulled over with a uh, disabled motorist. And they got into a conversation with each other. And when I saw him later on that afternoon, he said, you'll never guess who I saw today. I said, no, go ahead and tell me. He says, Eric Moomaw. And of course, at that point, I hadn't told him that I had, you know, seen him that morning. And he, I said, well, what'd he say? He says, yeah, he was he was actually bringing you up and 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 wanted me to ask you something. I said, "Well, okay, what 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 is it?" And he said, "Well, he wanted me to ask you when you were going to retire." <laughs> I said, "He he just asked me that when I was at work today." I said, "What is this about? He's got to know when I'm going to retire." I said, "I'll retire <laughs> when I'm re ready to retire." But it was this ongoing thing that never ended, and I recalled this same story. Uh, when I was doing the police memorial one year and, and recounting Eric to them. He's he's just one of these guys. I mean, I, I feel him in the room with us right now. Yeah. You know, with man, you know, what do you got to get into all this other stuff? You know, what do you got to front <laughs> me out for, you know? He would be honored and very appreciative of 
of us talking about him tonight and and definitely the funny stuff because that's that's what he's about and there's no doubt with the good master he's keeping him you know on the floor laughing as well he took his job very serious he he loved people he gave them benefit of a doubt and his his whole existence can be summed up that he wanted to help you okay he could go to the extreme in both areas but his focus was to help you now if you wanted to take it to the other extreme and hurt him then he was there to meet that too but that wasn't what his core being was all about and as i said i i I love him today as much as i ever did yeah it's it's never easy um and both of us have been through this with people. I mean, I, I actually remember walking in that day that it actually happened. And granted, I was on a day shift. This happened uh, late at night on midnight shift. And I walked in, and when you have, you know, the the big higher ups, you know, the director, uh, the super, the the managers, supervisors, they're all out on the floor. They're kind of st- hovering around the radio. You walk in and you see the look on the other dispatchers' faces. You see all this going on with the higher ups in the room, you know something bad has happened. So I walked over to somebody and asked them, you know, what happened. They said, "Well, you know, we had a officer go in the water. He hasn't been pulled out yet. It's it's been over two hours now. It took him three yeah. hours to recover his body. Yeah, uh, just and, after sunrise. And that was, you know, of, of course, from our end, we still didn't have all the details. Nobody did at that point." So we didn't know if he had gone in the water and he was underwater, if he floated down the river and they were just still looking for him. We didn't know. Um, there was nothing really given to us. Uh, we were just we were sitting there and the our police command and the fire command, actually, because they they're out there searching for him and everything. That went on for, like you said, it went on for a few hours. And uh, we didn't know until there after the three-hour mark that, you know, in fact, he, he did go down with the car. And he, you know, uh, I think he said, they said his belt or something like that got stuck maybe. Um, something something happened to him that prevented him from actually making it back up. I think it was a combination of things. I think, as I said earlier, with the current, with the equipment yeah. that he was carrying. And you have to understand that when this went down, it was still dark. And when you hit that water, it's cold, I mean, just frigid. And the boat ramp only goes to a certain point as you go down, and then it's a drop-off. Yeah. So now you're in the water. If you're him, you're totally disoriented. You've just got this numbing cold all around you. Um, it's, it's kind of the same when people jump to their deaths, meaning to drown themselves off the bridge. When you hit the water and it's cold, the first thing you do is go, (gasps) and you open your mouth just because of the sheer change. And immediately water is taken into your system. And with all of this stuff going on, it was it was it was insurmountable that morning i was off work uh, at the time 
it, it was one of those things where it was just an initial punch to the gut to me. I'm lying in bed watching the news. That doesn't happen to, to, to people like him. Yeah. Okay. And you can't wrap your mind around what's happened. And, and for a while, you know, I was just walking around that, no, no, this, 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 this can't be. It, it just can't be. Well, you finally come to the realization that, yes, it can, and this is the hand we've been dealt. Yeah, and kind of like I said, it's it's never easy for anybody when this does happen. Um, the few times I've been on duty where we've had a police officer shot or we've had one you know killed in line of duty, we've, we've had a few of them uh, killed while I've been there the 20 years. Bees, I know you've had probably more than that. Um, and the length that you were there, um, it's just, it's never easy. It, it, there's nothing good about it. I mean, there's, you can take, you know, your, your training for, you know, the, and which I'm sure that probably the police department afterwards probably had some sort of training that, you know, if you're going to go in the water, do this, do that, do whatever. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm speculating, but there, you know, on the dispatch end of it, there's nothing really that can be done about it. We got a call about a suicidal person. She threw it in the to drive. It went in the water and three officers went in trying to get her out. And one of them didn't come back up. I mean, there's not too much else to say about it. It's, you know, three heroes went in the water and one of them didn't come out. That's the size of it. Yep. Some of the things with this show that we do, is, I mean, we, obviously we've got some scripted stuff, some stuff we're just going off the cuff. And uh, we were going to finish that segment of it there. And we, we stopped the recording. We took our headphones off. We were going to take a little break, try to regroup. And we just continued to sit here and talk about it. And, you know, it's, it's something that, um, you know, we, we, we wanted to let you all in on. Um, just some of the stuff we were talking about past that. This is, you know, we, we've said it was not easy. And, you know, Bees, you were talking about how it was therapeutic. We'll get into that real quick. That's because it's it really is. When you discuss things like this, it is therapeutic. The brain does not forget. You know, as you and I both talked off air, if you reach down far enough, it's still there. It's just way down in there. You said yourself that some of these things about Eric, uh, such as people hovering around, you know, the, the radio, yeah. Yeah, when all this was going on, that hadn't even entered your mind since then. Yeah, it's been three years. I've not even, you know, once it, for me anyway, uh, once that happened, the focus went more to Eric, his memorial, all the things that went along with it. I mean, continuing the effort because they had to do several things. They had to, I mean, little things. They had to pull the car out of the water. They had to, I mean, obviously pull him out of the water, but they, they had to do a lot of things. And I, I hadn't thought about the, you know, the way everybody was looking, the, the look on their faces, the, the mood in the room. I hadn't thought about that in three years. And just talking about this, it brought it right back up. It just, it popped right back in memory. Like it just happened yesterday. It's therapeutic because 
these people are our friends. As I've said earlier, they're still our friends. Yeah. They're not past tense, okay? They're somewhere else. Yeah. But their memory needs to live on. For all of you out there, we have all lost people that we love, whether it be police officer friends of ours, whether it be our mom, our dad, our brothers, our sisters. They're still alive, okay? But they're on the other side of that fence. So it's not a bad thing to hurt or to cry because you miss them. They're, they're not here amongst us anymore. And if we, if we live right, we'll see them again someday. I believe that. So it's okay to keep their memory alive here. Keep talking about them. If, if those of you out there that are listening to us tonight, if you have police officer friends that have, that have passed in your line of work, talk about them. Get that stuff out because the things I remember about Eric was was a small bit about what took him from us. But I've got so much that was him that he left with us that it was an honor to have him here. And you don't want to let that go away. Even if you get upset about it and you cry, and I'll be the first one to, to, to just fall apart about things a lot of times. But that's okay because that lets you know what kind of a person I am and what they meant to me. And, and we all share that. That just isn't indicative of me. You know, some people may be hard ankles. You know, they may be... Tootsie Roll Pops, as we call them, you know, they've got that hard outside. But when you dig through that and you get to the soft part, that is what makes those people really worth knowing. Because that tells you really what kind of a person that is. Yeah, it does. And... I don't know. It's this whole thing, you know, it just, just talking about this, it it has brought back, you know, just all these other memories from other officers that have fallen like this and other ways, you know, a message for me to all you other dispatchers out there. If you've been through something like this, do exactly what Beasley was just saying. Talk with people about it, especially new dispatchers. If you got new dispatchers coming in, they have not experienced this before. It's going to hit them in whatever way it's going to hit them. But at least if you talk about it with them, they'll have an idea before it does happen. Because, I mean, I hate to say it, it's going to happen. You know, just because of the nature of the job. Policemen, firefighters, EMS, they're out there putting their life on the line every single day. And it's not just, you know, it's not necessarily something like, you know, falling in the river or getting shot by a suspect. It can be helping changing somebody's tire on the interstate and getting hit by a car. It can be any number of things. You don't know when it's going to happen. And it's usually when you don't expect it to happen when it does. It's it's rare that we'll have a, a, a big hot call. Oh, there's somebody with a weapon. 
walking on the street and he's shooting it up in the air. Well, as soon as the police officer get there, well, that weapon's on the ground most of the time and that's it. It's rare that he'll start opening fire and take the life of a police officer like that. What's not rare is these, you know, odd circumstances that, you know, we might have, like I said, somebody run over by a car on the interstate, which has happened in Nashville before, or being pulled in the water by somebody trying to kill themselves while they're in a, a car. We just wanted to let y'all in on the kind of mechanism of how we deal with this, um, this type of call for us, you know, we, there was, we've been through this. There's a lot of things that go on with it. Um, it's, it's hard on us emotionally. Um, some more than others, especially the people that were working that night, exactly when it happened, people are close to the officers that have fallen, things like that. But we do have to move on with the show. So we're going to get right into to a um, a local call that we've had. It's it's actually a brand new call that's um, just happened a few days ago um, about a a shooting that happened in Nashville. Um, originally, uh, the nine one one call that we got on it um, it was well after the fact of um, when it happened. Uh, apparently, the the caller, as you'll hear, he says that um, he heard some shots fired uh, a few hours before. I guess they didn't think anything about it. And then when they woke up, they found a man uh, lying dead in their backyard. So here we go with it. Roll tape. Last night, I don't know what time it was. We were sleeping, but we heard what sounded like gunshots very close to our house. We just went back to bed, but I just woke up this morning to go to work, and there is a body laying in the backyard. So that call wasn't very long. It it wasn't... uh, the entire portion uh, or the entire uh, 911 call itself, but it just shows you that uh, some of the calls that we get sometimes, you don't know what you're going to get. You answer the phone and it, it could be somebody doing a, a basic fender bender type accident. Could be something like this where someone w- wakes up and finds a dead body in their backyard. Now, for me anyway, one of the things that I've tried telling people on the phone, I try telling them this over almost anything because we get a lot of calls from people saying, Oh, at three o'clock last night, there was somebody, you know, rustling around my car or there was some, you know, suspicious person that was driving around our neighborhood last night and they never call about it. The same type of thing holds true with this one. They heard gunshots in Nashville where it's illegal to shoot. Now, if you're out in the county, like I, I've lived in, uh, you know, rural parts of Tennessee before where it's not illegal to shoot, you can go out and target practice whatever like that, it's not illegal. In Nashville, in the area that this actually happened at, which was over on Hyman Street, it is illegal to shoot. It's just flat. You can't shoot a gun inside the the area of Nashville where that happened. So if you hear gunshots and you're in a big city and you have the same type of rules, you know, like we do in Nashville, and you hear shots, call them in immediately. This guy might not have died. No one called while the shots were being fired. And granted, this is not the best portion of Nashville. It's not a, a great neighborhood or anything like that. It's up and coming. There, you know, uh, some people are buying and you know refabbing houses, things like that. They're turning them over, selling them to other people. But you know, the the big thing with it is, it still has obviously people getting shot over in the area. So if you hear gunshots, even if it's in the middle of the night, call in. Let the police come out there and investigate it. You know, this this guy laid there in the backyard of somebody's house. Uh, 
probably for hours may have slowly died. We don't know. Um, you know, we don't, we don't know what happened with it, but if you hear something like that, if you see something suspicious, if you have somebody breaking in your car, trying to steal something, anything that's against the law, call it in immediately. Don't wait hours later to call it in because the chances of us catching anybody in the act of doing this at that point, it's, it's slim to none. You know, I mean, there's, there's a chance, but if it's a whole lot better, if we get a call immediately and we get officers out there because the shot's fired, we're rolling out there, lights and sirens on, going as fast as we can to it to try to see if anybody has been shot or if there's anything else going on with it. Four or five hours later, you say, oh, well, somebody was out shooting in the neighborhood four or five hours ago. Okay, well, I mean, there's not too much we can do about it right now. But if we would have got the call earlier, we could have. Well, one thing, too, of, of major importance <clears throat> is if everyone called these in when they happened based upon where the people are calling from you can start to narrow down the perimeter of where the shots are coming from uh is you and i talked uh, talked about here just a little bit ago most people that understand firearms or, or what they are know the difference between the firing of a handgun, yeah. a shotgun, and a rifle. No different than if you drink a Coke, if you drink an RC Cola, or if you drink a Pepsi, you can tell the difference between those three, even though they're all soft drinks. Yeah. But when people call this in, because of the, of the sound of these weapons, they carry distances. Uh, no more <clears throat> than turning on a lawnmower at night. In the daytime, you're not going to hear it long distances. You crank that thing up at night, and you're going to hear it blocks just because of the sound carry. So it does. It helps you to, to, to pull that perimeter in. The fact that it was already in uh, a kind of bad part of town emphasized to get that called in. You mentioned that it's in a... Uh, transition period that in and of itself could be the reason that those shots are being fired if you have people <clears throat> that are on the lower end of the economic scale and then you've got the area coming up you've got people coming in there with Cadillacs with BMWs with Jaguars when before it had been junk cars people not doing that well and the have-nots want the haves. Yeah. You know, how many people live in areas that are up and coming and for a period of time until you can slowly move that economic end out, you're going to deal with vandalism, your car's broken into, just because of the area that you're in. Now, this is not meant to be offensive, you're just not likely to have that same kind of thing going on in in Bell Mead or in Forest Hills, which are for the people that's out of our area listening, those are the upper ends of our economic areas. You're just not gonna not that that can't happen anywhere. It can. Murders happen everywhere. I'm just saying that that it is not unusual for it to happen in a transitionary place 
rather than and, yeah you're not going to have uh drug dealers out on the street somewhere you know dealing like that and then them you know battling over turf or something like that in in a place where they just simply don't sell drugs on the street whereas out here on Hyman Street you know that's something that happens um you know you've got gangs that roam the area and doing minor and obviously major crimes with this if they're shooting each other like that there's no telling of, as to why this actually happened but it does happen over there right it, it's 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 just general things just every day walking around common sense would dictate for you when you see something going on of that nature call it in and even if you think ah that's stupid police aren't going to show up on we'll make that determination you just call it in if it's something that's not that big of a thing okay it's not that big of a thing but you've called it in yeah, the you, other side of it is you end up with a dead person in your backyard. Yeah, and especially now, if you're in a, a, a good neighborhood, a bad neighborhood, a transitioning neighborhood, it, it doesn't matter. If you're in an, an area where something is illegal and you see or hear something that is illegal in that area, call it in right then. You know, something like shots fired, you may say, oh, you know, I'm, I live in a bad neighborhood. We hear shots all the time. Okay, well, what are they shooting at? doesn't matter if they shoot all the time or not. It's still illegal. Call it in. Get that, somebody to come out and check it out. That could be the one that's being fired at someone to kill them. Exactly. And in this case, it, it was, and it did happen. So we don't know. I mean, that like I said before, this person that, that got shot could have been saved, maybe. We don't know. Um, he could have been laying there, you know, unconscious and then slowly bleeding out. We don't know. And that's, you know, that's... Uh, the first rule of bleeding is all bleeding always stops. That means that either we stop it, your body stops it, or your body stops it by running out of blood. That may have been what happened with this case because apparently he got shot at a different location and ran to this person's backyard and collapsed there and then at some point died. I, I don't know exactly how he died as far as if he laid there for a long time or not. It's, it's still up in there. I don't know. But he did, and he may have been able to be been saved if someone were were to have called it in when it happened. Possibly so. It <clears throat> it's also of note to mention that this should tell you don't always go running around outside just because you hear shots being fired, because you don't know where they're coming from, you don't know where they're going, and you go out there, and then you're going to get hit or could. Yeah, leave so, it up to the police to investigate. Right. You you stay in your home. You've got a right to defend your home. And if somebody goes to come into your home, then you do what you have to do to, to stop them from hurting you. Don't necessarily go out looking for the trouble. No, no. Let, let the police come out with their, with their guns, with their training, with their bulletproof vests, with their cars. Let them come out and check out shots being fired. And you stay in your nice and warm house and, you know, live to see tomorrow. Don't don't walk out looking around for it. Just call us. We'll send somebody out. That's why they're there. Yeah. And we've got another call from Nashville um, that happened uh, a few years ago. It's another shooting. Uh, it actually happened down at our Music City um, Central bus station. Uh, back then it was um, pretty newly opened, I think. I, I think it's only been open for about five years now. Um, so this was right after it opened, uh, maybe a year or so. 
Um, it's in our central police precinct. Um, and you'll hear, we got officers there really, really quickly. And, uh, you know, because of our central police precinct is a very small sector, uh, geographically, as far as the area, officers are pretty heavily concentrated in that area. So we got a really quick police response to it. Um, and I, I would imagine they probably, probably heard the shots themselves, but we don't know that. Um, now to put this in perspective, this is on the same street and two blocks down from the state Capitol building. It's very close. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's right Couple there at, the, at our actual state uh, Capitol. So we're going to go ahead and uh, play this. It's uh, about a minute long. You'll hear how quick everything goes and uh, we'll have a little bit to talk about it afterwards. One uh, big point that we'll point out afterwards um, that we'll get into that may amaze some people. Roll tape. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Uh, it's been a shooting down here at MTA. A guy just got shot down. Hello? It's been a shooting down here at Where? the MTA uh, Metro Moving Center. It's two black guys laying on the ground, ma'am. Send the police. Okay, ma'am. Oh, my God. Ma'am, where uh, are you? At the uh, uh, main train to the 40th, uh, 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 down here on, uh, right next to, uh, what do you call this? Uh, the new, uh, municipal auditorium. Okay, is the are you with the person that's been shot? No, ma'am, I'm just calling it in. Okay, all right. It looks like we've got... Oh, some... never mind. I see some officers. Here they come. Yes, ma'am. Never mind. It's like five officers coming. Here they come. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the other guy's laying on the ground. I think he's dead, though, ma'am. Okay, they, they've they got an ambulance on their way. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my God. Bye. A couple of points here to start with. Imagine a parking garage for cars, a several-story parking garage. That's what Music City Central is. It is a several-story building, but it's for buses. That is the main uh, depot for the local bus company. Yeah, the Metro Transit Authority. Right. Secondly... This shooting took place where there is a lot of people coming in to catch buses, going out after getting off the bus. When these shootings take place, the thugs that are involved in this could give a country damn less about anybody else around there. They've got their focus on who they're wanting to shoot, and that's what they're going to do. If they have to hit three or four or five more people that's just collateral damage to them, that's fine, but they get who they're aimed for, and that's their focus. Yeah, they in this this uh, call, um, they said that the woman was calling in. She thought one person was dead. They didn't die. They were in critical um, condition, and they were transported to uh, one of her local hospitals. The other people that were there, actually, there were three other people that got injured from this, kind of like you were saying. I don't know if they were related to this somehow or not, but. These were all, um, all except for one person, were juveniles involved with it. The shooter was 16 years old. The um, the other kids that were involved, there was two more 16-year-olds, a 17-year-old, and an 18-year-old. They're just out there, and, you know, uh, they had called a bus. I, I would imagine they're waiting to catch one, and some guy they have a beef with just comes up and starts shooting. Now, on the, 
on the 911 end of it, the, the part that I said was actually amazing, and it's amazing maybe for y'all, it actually happens quite a bit for us. It's it's not so amazing, but that was not a 911 call. It actually came in on our non-emergency number. We get emergency calls on our non-emergency number all the time. If it's from, from people that were you know, calling in saying, oh, I need to go to the hospital, but I don't feel too bad. Maybe having a heart attack. I don't know. They just think, oh, it's not a life-threatening emergency. When it could be. This woman was frantic. And she still had, you know, whatever faculties that, you know, she had to say, call Metro Police. I don't know if she had a pre-program in her phone or she just dialed it out from hearing our all our commercials on the radio. But she called the police department, our non-emergency number, instead of calling 911. Didn't mean she didn't get through uh, quickly because it kind of sounded like they did. But she still called the non-emergency number. If somebody was calling 911, you know, for a, a terrible, like a terrible reason. Yeah. We're going to take those calls. A lot of the calls we get are people that I've mentioned the fender bender thing before non-injury. They don't uh, want to bother with looking up the phone number for the non-emergency number. They're just going to call 911. That's something I've said numerous times before. And uh, I, I think I've, uh, in one of our previous episodes said something along the lines of, can you imagine if someone is calling on 911 with a non-emergency call, like a, a, a fender bender where nobody's hurt, no one's life is in danger, and your grandmother is calling in because someone just broke in the house and stabbed her in the back or anything like that, and she's being put on hold because this other person has decided they wanted to call 911 just because they didn't want to waste time and looking up the phone number for the non-emergency number. Oh, they've they've called nine one one before. Uh, I, I believe on a on a, a separate podcast, you even mentioned this. You've got people that'll call in because McDonald's they're sitting in the drive through has screwed their order up and they didn't get exactly what they ordered, and they're calling nine one one. Yeah, exactly. We don't know what kind of calls are going to come in next. We don't know if there's going to be an emergency call that comes in on the non the non emergency number. They do come in like that. We give preference to the 911 calls because they are designed for emergencies. So the non-emergency calls may go on hold for a little bit. They may, it may take a, a, a few seconds extra for them to get through, but there still may be an emergency on it. This case there was, it was a life threatening emergency. One or more, more people got shot in the middle of a, a busy MTA station. That's what happens sometimes. I mean, it, it, I wish it wouldn't. But at the same time, it did. And for this, uh, you know, I, I kind of wish the woman would have called 911, but, you know, I'm glad it got through as quick as it did. We got officers out there really quick. We had an ambulance on the way. Apparently several people called in about it, but you don't know. So for all you people out there that are wondering, oh, how do you call your local police? Look it up now. Put it in your phone. If you live in, I, I don't know, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or Fort Walton Beach or, or wherever, just Google your local police department, store that in your phone, the, the non-emergency number. That way, if you do get in an accident or something that does not require immediate police or medical assistance, something like that, just call them the non-emergency number. Don't put that on 911 where we're going to have that call and someone else with an actual life-threatening emergency 
is being put on hold because you called the wrong number. And and what's really amazing to me about this is in Nashville, and, and we've been doing this for years, we have public service announcements, radio, television, billboards with our non-emergency line on it. And they still will call 911 over stupid stuff. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, as far as the 16-year-old having a gun, uh, that's exactly what I alluded to earlier. When these people are out to shoot someone, they're focused on who they're trying to shoot. Could care less about anyone else. At 16 years old, physically, he didn't need the gun. There was no reason for him to have it. Mentally, there was definitely no reason for him to have it because logically, he's not in a position to think things through to be using it for that purpose. Yeah, and this call here, it happened in broad daylight. It wasn't the middle of the night. It wasn't, you know, when whatever. these there was, there was were It sent dozens of people running from the area that were trying to probably get to or from work. They're just trying to live their lives, and they were brought in the middle of this situation. You don't want something like that, but in this case, um, the the juvenile that was doing the shooting, he was uh, booked into the juvenile detention center on one count of attempted murder, three counts of aggravated assault, and one count of unlawful handgun possession. I'm not sure how much of that he's going to serve as far as the sentence goes. He is a juvenile. I, I haven't looked back into the call too much from that. I do know that was the, those were the charges that were brought against him. And, it, and it's going to depend upon whether he was charged as a juvenile and it stays that way or he's sent to the adult court. Yeah. Uh, attempted murder, unless they've, they've changed the uh, uh, Tennessee code annotated on this, the sentencing on, on, a, on aggravated assault is two to ten years in prison. It's the exact same thing for uh, assault with intent to commit murder. Both of those carry the, 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 the same, uh, same sentences. Yeah, so on this one, like I said, the, the biggest thing for me, um, it, I mean, I don't, I don't want to like downplay this call. It wasn't necessarily a hard call to, to hear. It, it was shocking in the way that it did come in on the non-emergency line. It was shocking that more than one people were down. We, we thought that it was multiple people shot, but it, it wasn't your, you know, some of the calls we've gone over in the past of, you know, someone, uh, murder, suicide or something like that. It, it didn't, it doesn't have quite the amount of shock value, I guess is a good way to put it, but it's something that happens and happens quite often in Nashville. And the governor could have been in his office two blocks away. Exactly. And the thugs don't care. No. <laughs> the, the president Trump could have been two blocks away. They don't care. No, they get their eyes on what they want. They got their eye on the prizes they think, and they don't care what else happens from it. So you hear this all the time on the news about a, a three-year-old shot from a, a drive-by or something like that. They don't care. They're just they're going out to try to get who they're going to get. And, oh, you know, a three-year-old got shot. Oh, that sucks. You know, at least I got the guy I wanted. Well, we've hit them again pretty hard tonight. So it's about time for us to get out of here. So you think we ought to dig these guys out of the trenches? Oh, yeah. Uh, we like finishing with some kind of more humorous uh, things that have happened. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one. It wasn't my call. This is something that happened in Nashville. 
and this was years and years ago. This is probably, I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess, somewhere between probably 15 and 18 years ago, maybe even further than that back. Wow. Um, so, and I was working this night, and it's it's one of the things, if you, if you get sort of, kind of a more funny call, it gets passed around, people listen to it, things like that. In this instance, there was a, a person that called in, and he was of Middle, Middle Eastern uh, descent. He had a very heavy accent. He was speaking English, but it was uh, very broken English. So he was calling in, and he, he called in. He, the call taker asked uh, the address, the kind of pertinent information. He wasn't making um, very much headway as far as actually getting that information, though. That was the problem. That was the biggest problem of it. So the uh, call taker says, um, you know, sir, can I get your address again? I'm having trouble understanding you. The person replies back again in a heavy accent in broken English. Sir, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really having a hard time understanding what you're saying. One more time for me, please. Can you give me the address? So he again, broken English again with, uh, you know, a heavy accent tries to give this address and the call taker, I'm sure he's probably getting a little bit frustrated at this point says, sir, look, I, I'm just having too much trouble understanding you. Can I get an interpreter on the phone? And that way we can try to, you know, speed this along. So, uh, sir, what language you speak? Little to, did he know that the guy on the other end was extremely frustrated as well. And his reply was after asking what language you speak was, English motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and that was about uh, the, the extent of that call. It, uh, it it kind of played itself out from there. But for something like that, it, it was uh, it was pretty funny when it happened. Very unexpected. You don't know when something like that's going to happen. So, <laughs> Well, the fellow that took the call wasn't exactly the clearest speaking guy either, if, if, if it's the same one I'm thinking about. Uh, yeah, you're right about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's he's a nice story. guy but he, yeah. yeah he's a nice guy he just you know uh there was a fella that used to beat his wife when she didn't do as he wanted and she had a pretty creative way of dealing with it too now, she was a passive lady she didn't want to possibly aggravate her situation by getting the police involved so she took the high road <laughs> Kinda. In an effort to extend an olive branch of peace and make it all her fault, she'd make him hamburgers. With passion, she would hand make those ground beef patties with just the right amount of dog crap mixed in. <laughs> As he ate them, her revenge was exacted. With every bite he took, she reclaimed her power. Now, as for him, he absolutely loved them, went around smiling and telling everybody how great they were. Truth be told, did he beat her more often to get some more? Well, we don't know. What we do know is that one could always tell when he had been served his tasty delicacy as he would walk around with that shit-eating grin on his face. 
And I think on that note, that would be an outstanding place to, to leave, leave for the evening. I believe you're right on that one. All right. Well, listen, we're out of here for Music City 911. I'm Rick Beasley. And I'm Brandon Hall. Y'all have a good night, guys. See y'all. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.